Good afternoon and welcome to Bible Quest Wednesday edition. I am Jeff Smelser in Exton, Pennsylvania, where we have kind of a drizzly rainy day. And uh, today, both Chase and Joe are unavailable. So Drew DeGrotto, who normally is behind the scenes, is going to join me right in the middle of the scene today from Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Good afternoon, Drew. <clears throat> Good afternoon. How are you doing, Jeff? Glad to be here with you today on the front end. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're able to join and help me out today. We're going to start in Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. Drew, last week, uh, Joe and Chase and I talked about Saul on his way to Damascus to find believers among the Jews in the synagogues there whom he intended to arrest, to bring bound back to Jerusalem. But on the way, Jesus appeared to him and he was told to go into Damascus and he'd be told what to do. He met a man named Ananias, a disciple. He was baptized. He began preaching in Damascus, got run out of Damascus. <clears throat> and that brings us to chapter 26. So that's where let's start. So Drew, if it's all right, if you don't mind, how about reading verses 26 through, uh, let's just go 26 through 28. Well, I guess let's go through 29, 26 through 29. So it's, ver it's chapter nine, not chapter 26. Yeah, Acts chapter nine, verse 26 through 29. Okay, let me just read that. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists that they were seeking to kill him. Do you want me to stop there? Yeah, no, that's good. Stop right there. Several things, just real quickly. First of all, when he comes to Jerusalem, he tries to join himself with to the disciples. You know, throughout the New Testament, we see Christians in association with one another. People are not, um, they're, they're not related to God through a congregation. That is, some congregation does not control one's relationship with God. But God does intend for his people to associate one with another, to worship together in, in churches, in congregations. <clears throat> and Paul tries to do this, but when he tries to do this, he met resistance. Why did he meet resistance? Well, it's because they knew him earlier. Like, this guy wants to kill us. How would you feel, Drew, if you, if you, how would a lot of people today feel if they went and they tried to join themselves to some congregation and everybody there looked at them like they were a, a bad person? Everybody looked at you like, you're a bad person and we're afraid of you and we don't like you. How, would you get the warm fuzzies and be excited about going back there again? Far from it. I'd want to go, okay, I'm going onward. Yeah, uh, but, but. But, but Barnabas comes and vouches for Saul, and, um, and what it illustrates is the importance Saul saw in joining himself to the disciples. This was something he needed to do, and so he was not put off by their resistance at the outset. I don't know if you're going to go into any of the details, but um, Barnabas took him and declared to him. How did Barnabas know all of that? <clears throat> you know... Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure I had ever thought to ask that question. I'd always just focused on the fact that this is consistent with Barnabas being labeled by the apostles back in chapter four as a son of exhortation, or that's in fact, or a son of consolation. That's what the name Barnabas means. His actual name was Joseph. 
And so I thought what I'd always focused on is, yep, sure enough, it's Barnabas who steps up and vouches for this, this guy that nobody else wants to have anything to do with. But it had not occurred to me to ask how Barnabas knew. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, and, and always asking those kind of questions because we know that Paul was only in Jerusalem at this time for, for 15 days. And then he heads out. And we're going to read more about why later. But during that time, he goes there, but it was Barnabas. That, so, you know, a lot happened in those short two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would think, and, and again, it's just my opinion, Barnabas, the Lord had to speak, speak to Barnabas in some form or another, because Barnabas did not experience what he did in, in Damascus. Nope, nope, nope. Now, <clears throat> you're getting the 15 days based on correlating this with Galatians 1. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Around verses 18, I think it is. Okay. Um, now, uh, the other thing that I want to notice here is uh, verse 29. Uh, he's preaching boldly in the name. This is Acts 9 again, Acts 9, verse 29. He's preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Grecian Jews. Your Bible said Hellenists, uh, but they were seeking to kill him. Uh, if that indeed is referring to <clears throat> Jews, Hellenistic Jews, it's interesting that right off the bat, um, Paul is doing something that he is well suited for. He is well trained. He is he is a man from Tarsus. He was a citizen of not only a Roman citizen, but a citizen of the city of Tarsus, um, which is up in Cap, uh, which is up in. And now all of a sudden, I'm trying to to uh, there are two C's, Cappadocia, and what's the other one? And I can't think right now which one this is. Right there on the northeastern corner of the Mediterranean Sea, I'm, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Um, uh, I, I, I'm bad in, in, in this uh, geography stuff. but Yeah, well, it, 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 and, and I'm just, for some reason, I can't, I can't come up with the word here. Uh, you know what? Cilicia. Uh, Cilicia. Is that what I'm trying to think of? And yeah, Cilicia. If, if memory serves, the Cilician Gates uh, isn't that what we're what? In any event, he is he is not from Jerusalem originally. He had been trained in Jerusalem by Gamaliel, but he is a man who has been educated and he's been around and he has been exposed to Greek culture uh, throughout the Greek world um, and the Roman world, and uh, so he is he's well equipped to deal with the Hellenistic Jews. I don't want to spend too much time on that. I'll just make more of a fool of myself than I already have. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Now, yeah. Hold on, hold on. The Hellenistic Jews were not the same as proselytes. They were Jews, but they just lived among the outside of the Judean area, right? That's my understanding. That's my understanding. Yeah. yeah. So is it possible that uh, Saul was a Hellenist? Uh the fact is, Hellenist refers not just to where you are geographically from, at least my understanding is, it refers to kind of what your culture is, what you, where your focus is. Um, and Paul refers to himself in Philippians chapter 3 as a Hebrew of Hebrews and as a mm -hmm. Pharisee of the strictest sect of our religion, as he says later in the book of Acts. So I would think that Paul or Saul would have had a lot in common with the non-Hellenistic Jews, but he does have the kind of education and experience, world experience, 
that would maybe make it easier for him to uh, be effective amongst the Hellenistic Jews. Yeah, he was he was there present when uh, they stoned Stephen. Right, right, right. And Stephen was I think Stephen was a, Stephen was a Hellenist. He certainly had a Greek name, and he was among the seven that were chosen to see to it that the Hellenistic Jews, the widows among them, were taken care of. So yeah. All right. Um, then we come to verse uh, 30, and it says, And when the brethren knew it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. When the brethren knew about the plot to kill Saul, um, they sent him home to Tarsus. And How did they know it? Say what? It just says, and they knew about the plot, but how did they know it? Well, and we do have an, we have an answer to that. Okay. Back in Galatians, I think. Well, you tell me. Uh, where was it? He's talking about it back in the. Uh, the Lord told him. Uh, let's see, Galatians one. Unless I'm misreading, understanding this, he talks about how he went into Jerusalem, didn't see any of the other apostles except mm -hmm. uh, Peter and James. Um, verse twenty one in Galatians one. I went into the regions of Syria, and I was still unknown in person to church of Judea. The only hearing it, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith. And that's not it. I thought for sure, I read it, that the Lord spoke to him in a vision to go, leave. Yeah, I know I read that. Where did I read that? Uh, let's see. Oh, it wasn't in Galatians. Uh, in, in Acts 21. Okay, Acts 21. He's in the he's he's standing in the council, right? I forget who he's standing. Well, before. in Acts twenty one, he's come back to Jerusalem and he has met with James and the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Oh, he's speaking to the people. Yeah, in verse thirty nine, I'm a Jew from Tarsus, Cilicia, in Cilicia, citizen of no obscure city. And when he had given him permission, Paul standing on the steps, motioned with his hand. Ah, that's not <laughs> there. Where's Joe works when you need it? Oh, <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Uh, somewhere it says the Lord spoke to him. Get out of town. Okay. Continue. <laughs> I'm right. going to hold that thought and I'll find it. All right. If anybody knows what Drew is thinking, uh, if you can read his mind, send us a, a message and we'll figure that out. Uh, I mean, did I say Joe? Drew. Okay. Sorry. Back to Acts chapter 9. Um, so then. Uh, verse 31, Luke says, so the church, this is Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. Now remember, he'd started talking about the persecution that came upon the church back in Acts chapter 1, right after, uh, Acts chapter 8, right after Stephen was stoned and Saul was a leader in that persecution. Now Saul is a believer and he is laboring in the kingdom for the Lord. And so Luke says, so the church through Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. His persecution, his leadership in it is no more. Um, and so um, then we come to verse 32. And it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts, he came down also to the saints that dwelt at Lydda, which is over toward the Mediterranean Sea from Jerusalem. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had kept his bed eight years, for he was palsied. Mine says, what does yours say in verse 33? Is that paralyzed? It says uh, bedridden. Bedridden. Oh, well, well, sorry, was paralyzed, yes. 
Okay. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Arise, make your bed. And straightway he rose. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now, there's not a lot more said about that, except that we now have Peter in Lydda, and Joppa is not far from Lydda. And so Peter's going to get an invitation to go to Joppa. So what does that mean? I found it. I found it. All right. Let's it's go back to that. Acts 22. Go over to Acts 22, verses 17. Acts He's recounting then his visit to Jerusalem. In verse 17, Paul says, When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And the Lord said, they themselves know that in one, okay, I went too far. Uh, no, 21. And another, I had prison and beat those. Also, oh, what he's saying is, Lord, they're going to accept me here. I mean, look, at they, they knew how I hated this movement. And when the, my brethren, the Jews, see me now embracing it, they're going to really latch on to it as well. Verse 20, and when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by the, and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed them. And he said to me, go. For I will send you far away to the Gentiles. You know, thank you, Drew. I had, I had, I had never, I just, I had never focused on those those verses, especially verse 18, 19, and connected that with Acts nine and Paul's time in Jerusalem there. But good, I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. All right. All right. So I was thinking you were crazy there for a moment, and you're not. That's all right. You can continue to do that. <laughs> all right. Okay. So we go back to Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, and um, there's this disciple named Tabitha, also known as Dorcas, uh, who had died in, in Joppa. And so they, the, they sent for Peter, and he comes, and he raises her from the dead. Anything you want to talk about there? Um, there's, there's some things we could talk about there. I'm going to, I think I'm going to move on to chapter 10 fairly quickly, but you may have some things you want to talk about in connection with his raising this Tabitha from the dead. Yeah, just briefly, but I do want to remind any of our listeners that are watching us on live stream, go ahead and put comments in the, in the comment box on, on YouTube, because uh, we'd like to hear your comments and questions as well. Uh, cause some things pop up in my head. That I have to ask the question. Um, there's not much questions here just that Dorcas she was uh she did a lot of good deeds and that's she she was really close to the brethren and, th and this yeah. is what affected them so much she did a lot of good work uh physical work with them you know sometimes mm -hmm. women don't know what to do or, or say well you're stifling women for, because of certain things no there's things that women can do that men aren't even capable of doing yeah <laughs> I tell you what, if if we could, if if we would be missed as much as this woman was um, when she passed, that would be a testimony uh, to our usefulness. So we come to chapter ten, and now Luke is going to tell us the story of Cornelius. Um, up until this point, just everybody make a note of this. Up until this point, the the, the disciples have been almost entirely Jews. Uh, certainly, we there were some proselytes included in Acts chapter 2 that were mentioned in Acts chapter 2. How many of those were among the 3,000 that were baptized? I don't know. Uh, but it was mostly a Jewish audience. It was a Jewish feast that they were in town to celebrate. When we get to Acts chapter 8, we, we do see Philip in Samaria, as we talked, uh, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago. And, and Philip 
uh, is able to teach and baptize a number of the people of Samaria. Um, and there was the Ethiopian eunuch who headed back to Ethiopia. But in general, it's, it's, a, it's a Jewish movement up to this point. And now in Acts chapter 10, we're going to have a man who is a Gentile and he is going to become a believer and he's going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is going to be the point at which kind of the, the gates are opened. Um, and the Lord reveals to Peter in no uncertain terms that the gospel is to go to Gentiles and not only to Peter, but also to some of the Jewish brethren who were with Peter on the occasion. And then the story is going to be retold in Jerusalem. And this is going to become evident even to the Jewish disciples in Jerusalem. So that's, that's what's at stake here as we get into Acts chapter 10. Anything you want to say by way of introduction? Yeah, you'd think that they would have known that it should have gone to the Gentiles as well, but they didn't, and they're keeping it close to the vest, and there's a lot of animosity for even considering the Gentiles as part of this movement. They're not allowed. It's in the mindset of the Jews. Even the Jews accepting Jesus Christ, they weren't ready yet. Yeah, it, and you're right. You would think that they would have known, because you go back to what God had said to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, there was going to be a blessing for all families, all nations of the earth, through their descendants. Uh, you and, come down to the prophets like Isaiah, and it talks about all nations streaming to the house of the Lord. Um, so you would think they would have known, but you're right. We get to Acts chapter one, and the disciples asked Jesus, do you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still thinking of it as a, as a Jewish kingdom. So <clears throat> what was the Lord's last major great commission, the hint that he told them, go baptize, admit, admit, disciples of all nations exactly baptizing them in the name of the father son holy spirit mm -hmm. that was the apostles directly and they still weren't getting it yeah so i'm not criticizing them i'm just saying we should never puff ourselves up and say well i i know what it's all about i know the whole story no <clears throat> no so good so we get to acts chapter 10 verse 1 and there was a certain man in caesarea cornelius by name a centurion of the band called the italian band so he is a soldier in the Roman army. And then it says in verse two, he's a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, who gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So, I mean, right off the bat, this is the kind of person that we would, we would describe as he's not just a um, worldly person. He has a spiritual inclination. Um, he does good. He is generous. Um, and a lot of people would say, well, somebody like that is, is already saved. And yet, as we're going to see, he's not. Um, the angel is going to tell him to send to Joppa and fetch Simon Peter, who will preach to you words whereby you will be saved. Peter's going to come to him and preach Jesus to him. But the point of this story is not just that he is saved. The point of this story is that he is a Gentile, and through him, God is going to show I intend for Gentiles to hear the gospel and become a part of the kingdom. How far did you just read? I just read through verse two. Okay, because it's a devout man. What does that mean? What are the characteristics of him that makes him devout? So he's, you know, even in the even in the Roman world, there were people who were thought of as atheists who just they didn't believe in anything beyond themselves. And this man does. He he believes that there is a God. Um, and the fact that he, it says he feared God, 
um, he, he believes he's accountable before God. Whatever he knows about God, whatever he, it is he believes in, he believes that he's accountable. And uh, so I think that's part of what's going to be involved in his being a devout man. Would you say he, he must have learned it from the Jews because he was very generous to the Jews. He was often helping them personally. Um, he gives much alms to the people. Um, and it says, uh, and he see. prayed, he prayed continually prayed. to Jehovah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the only place I think you could learn about the true God would be from the Jewish nation. Yeah. Um, do we know that's, the Jews, on my part, but that's just what I'm trying to bring out? Yeah. Do we know that in fact he had focused in on the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Maybe he that's had. That's an assumption that? on my part based on the end of verse 2. Okay. And then the angel does tell him that God did hear his prayer. Well, yes, it is the true God who responds. So verse 3, he saw in a vision openly as it were about the ninth hour of the day, um, which would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Does yours say 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Mine says the ninth hour of the day. Okay. An angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius, called him by name. And he, fastening his eyes upon him, <clears throat> being afraid, said, What is it, Lord? And he, meaning this angel, says to him, Your prayers and your alms are gone up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and fetch one Simon, who is surnamed Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. The last verse of chapter nine had left uh, had, had left Peter in Joppa, staying with this Simon, and so the angel tells Cornelius that you need to send messengers and get and get Simon Peter. Verse seven: When the angel that spoke to him was departed, he called two of his household servants, a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually, and having re rehearsed all things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. So he sends three people: this soldier and a couple of servants. Uh, to Joppa to get uh, Peter and um, bring him back. All right, we good? Or anything else you want to notice up to that point? I'm good. How about taking us from verse 9 down through verse 12? Okay, so verse 9. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the household, I'm sorry, on the housetop after, about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheep descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals uh, and reptiles and birds of the air. Before okay. you go any further, there was something. It was about the third hour. Yeah. Back, back up to uh, Cornelius praying. He went about the third hour. Isn't that also the hour of prayer for the Jews? Well, you're going back to verse three. Yeah, Mine's I'm sorry, ninth, not hour. ninth hour, meaning three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I'm not sure. If, I don't recall, but I, I thought I read somewhere that that is the, an hour, one of the hours that the Jews did pray as well. That's interesting. I, did, I didn't. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I, I thought I read that somewhere. Which again, these are little tidbits that we're yeah. trying to. That I'm trying to say, maybe he knew more about the Jewish religion it, than what it, it he may. Realized. You know, if that's an interesting thing. We ought to look that up and come back to it next week. Okay. All right. Maybe we have one of our listeners who can tell us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. 
Um, so then we come to uh, what you just read in verses 9 through 12. And so the messengers are on their way to where Peter's staying. But before they get there, they're almost there. But before they get there, it's it's noon. It's the middle of the day. It's lunchtime. Peter's hungry and he's on top of the house. And there, there's this vision of, of all different kinds of animals. It, it, creeping things are mentioned. So it's going to be a lot of different kinds of animals that could be eaten. But it's going to include animals that the Jews were not supposed to eat under the laws, uh, under the law of Moses. They were not supposed to eat these. So Peter, and, and of course, the, the voice comes from heaven, says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter, being a devout Jew, uh, says, not so, Lord, for I have never, this is verse 14, I have never eaten anything that is common and unclean. There were certain meats, certain foods, animals that were set aside as acceptable to, to as clean that were acceptable for sacrifice and could be eaten under the law of Moses, but the others were not. And Peter says, I've never eaten anything that's common and unclean. And uh, a voice came unto him the second time, what God has cleansed, don't you make common. And this was done three times and straightway the vessel was received up into heaven. I love verse 17 because it's just so, <laughs> it's so real. Yeah, we're wow. scratching our heads on this one. Yeah, while Peter was much perplexed in himself, what the vision which he had seen might mean. What was that all about? He knows the law. He knows what he can eat and what he can't eat. It is a voice from heaven, but the voice from heaven is telling him the very opposite of what he knows. And how often do you get a voice from heaven telling you what to eat anyway? And so he's... he's Never. And so funny. he's wondering, what was that all about? And just as that is just as he's wondering... The men from Cornelius, the men who've come down from Caesarea, show up. And having made inquiry for Simon's house, they stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, who was surnamed Peter, were lodging there. Uh, is Peter here? And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit, says to him, Behold, three men seek you. Arise, get down, and go with them. Nothing doubting, for I have sent them. Naturally, Drew, Peter would, would, I mean, he's setting aside the fact that he's in consternation over this vision he just saw. Why would he have doubts about going with these three men that show up? They're Gentiles. Yeah. They're not, they're unclean. I'm not supposed to associate with these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Holy Spirit says to him, I've sent them. You go with them. If so, it wasn't for that, he wouldn't. So there are two things that have now happened that we have to keep track of. One, he's seen a vision that told him, don't make common or unclean what God has cleansed. And then secondly, the Holy Spirit has said, you go with these Gentiles. I've sent them. So things are starting to fall in place in Peter's mind. He's going to put two and two together, or he's going to put one and one together and get two. Um, so he doesn't go much further than two. He doesn't. No, not at first. Oh, he right. doesn't. You know where I'm going. Go ahead. All right. So why don't you pick it up and uh, start in verse 21 and take us all the way down through verse 24. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What's the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. Oh, there's another connection I had with him. Uh, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them to, to be his guests. The next day he rose, away, rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. 
I have a question, Jeff. Okay. Was Simon in the is is this Simon the Tanner's house that he's in? Peter? Yeah. Is is he a Jew? Uh I think so. And and Peter's a guest of his Jewish friend? Yeah. And he says, Yeah, come on in, you Gentiles, spend the night. Interesting. Now that is strange. We we do know that right here in this section, Peter is figuring it out because what happens is he goes with Cornelius and he gets to Cornelius's house in verse 24. It's going to say there's a whole bunch of people gathered there to hear what Peter has to say. And Peter's going to stand. Of course, Cornelius is going to fall down and worship Peter. And Peter's going to say, no, don't do that. I'm a man like you. And then Peter's going to say to him in verse 28 and to the audience there, you yourselves know how it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to join himself or come unto one of another nation. And yet unto me, God has showed that I should not call any man common or unclean. That's so, the one in one coming to two. That's the one in one coming to two. He put together the vision he had seen in God saying, don't call anything common or unclean that I've cleansed with the fact that Gentiles showed up and the Holy Spirit said, I've sent them. You go with them. And he figured out, OK. I'm not supposed to call Gentiles unclean if God cleanses them. So it may well be that not only he figured that out, but Simon the Tanner was willing to uh, to go with him that far and, and do that, which otherwise would have been unlawful for a Jew to Jew. And they had hosted these folks overnight. There were six Jews that went with them. I think it was six. Yeah. We're and, told that later on in chapter 11. But... He doesn't know the whole story yet, based on verse 29. Um, right. He does not. He does not yet know about the angel having talked with Cornelius. So now, he's gonna get, so now he's going to get the two plus two equals four part of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the six brethren who had gone with him. They are mentioned back in verse 23. Um, we're later told that there were six of them when we get to chapter 11, but we need to keep in mind that there were some Jewish brethren traveling with Peter um, to Cornelius's house in Caesarea, brethren who had not seen the vision that Peter saw. And so they don't quite have all of the foundation that Peter now has for understanding Gentiles are going to be a part of this. And so we've got some more things that are going to happen here. All right. Um, so let's read starting in verse, um, let's start reading in verse 20, uh, verse 30. Peter asks, okay, so tell me what, what, why did you send for me? And here's where Cornelius is going to explain to him the part about the angels. So if you would start in verse 30 and read through verse 33. And, and Cornelius said four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Okay, so so let's let's now keep track. We've got three things now that that have happened. One, Peter's seen a vision of the meats and been told, "Don't call anything common or unclean that God has cleansed." Secondly, uh, the Holy Spirit has told him to go with some Gentiles because I've sent them. 
Thirdly, now he finds out that an angel has talked to Cornelius and told Cornelius to send for Peter. And so, all right, we've got some more evidence here that this is what God intends. Let's pick it up in verse uh, 34. So Peter opened his mouth. So it's his turn now. And he said, say, if we, we're going to see another event happening with Cornelius. And one Lord. more. One more. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that the event of the angel appearing was a, a religious uh, experience? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying well, anything more than that. I'm just saying there was a, a religious experience going well, on. Well, I'm just going to anticipate where you're going with that. A lot of people today assume if you have a religious experience, you're saved. Um, and, and yet we're going to see that. Cornelius has not yet heard, he's he's right now about to hear what he needs to hear in order to be saved, and he's yet to be baptized. He wasn't saved just because an angel talked to him. So, all right, let's keep going. Let's start in verse uh, 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that fears him and works righteousness is acceptable to him. The word which he sent to the children of Israel, preaching good tidings of peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That saying ye yourselves know, which was published throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism which John preached, even Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It's interesting that Peter says, he talks about Jesus and uh the good tidings preached by of peace by jesus and says that his audience including cornelius and his household know this saying that it's uh something that 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 is not news to them so that's kind of interesting uh also in verse 35 in every nation everyone who fears him and only believes no, it didn't, it, it, it didn't say, say that. It didn't say that. Oh, wait a minute. I misread that. Yeah. No, it says, and does what is right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Not, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father. Matthew Harmonizes what Jesus said. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so let's pick it up in verse 39. Now, Peter says, we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom also they slew, hanging him on a tree. So he's talking about the crucifixion there. Then he says in verse 40, him God raised up the third day and gave him to be made manifest, not to all the people, but unto witnesses that were chosen before of God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he charged us to preach unto the people and to testify that this is he who is ordained of God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him bear all the prophets witness that through his name, everyone that believes on him shall receive remission of sins. We have stressed as we've been going through the book of Acts that the resurrection is central to all of the preaching that's done in the book of Acts. And right here, that's what Peter affirms, that this Jesus was crucified and God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses to that fact. And thus his identity is confirmed as the one whom God has ordained to be the judge of the living and the dead. So that's what Peter's preaching. Now, while he is preaching, not waiting until he's done preaching, but while he is preaching, something happens. You want to pick it up in verse 44? I, I have a comment. I don't want to waste time on this because I know we want to finish this. No, no, we're okay. We're okay. Go ahead. Uh, 
in verse 40, God raised him on the third day. I was doing some research, and it turns out that the term third day is mentioned over 80 times, and the term three days is mentioned over 60 times. Would you think it's important? <laughs> the, the, the term the third day, and most of them are talking about the resurrection. We're talking about a factual event for these people in that day to put that together, and that's evidence. You know, that I'm glad you said that. I had not known how many times it was mentioned. I know in, I, I keep coming across the third day being mentioned, and I wonder, okay, is there some significance to this? It really makes an impression when you talk about how many times it's mentioned. But you think of Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so the belly of the fish. It actually doesn't mean whale, but the great fish. You think about uh, Abraham when he was going to sacrifice Isaac, who, who is a type of the Christ, uh, on the third day, he lifted up his eyes and saw the the place that he was coming to to do that, coming to to do that. Um, so that's that's an interesting point. I'm glad you mentioned that. So verse forty four. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all them that heard the word. So upon this Gentile household, they of the circumcision that believed were amazed, as many as came with Peter. You mentioned six disciples had come with Peter. Yeah. And and I mentioned that they had not seen the vision that that Peter saw with the animals clean and unclean. Yeah. But now they see this. They see the Holy Spirit come upon Cornelius and his household. It says in verse 46, um, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Verse 45 said they were amazed because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they, they not only are amazed that, <clears throat> wow, something miraculous is happening they were amazed that this was happening on gentiles and uh so they're 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 getting the point and so peter then speaks up in verse 44 and says can any man forbid the water that these should not be baptized who received the holy spirit as well as we and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of jesus christ back in acts 238 drew when peter first preached that gospel message on the day of Pentecost when Peter cried out, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. And so now that's what he commands to, to these Gentiles, which, by the way, Drew, is interesting because every now and then I'll run into somebody who doesn't believe that baptism is the point at which we go from being dead in our sins to alive in Christ. And they will say baptism is not all that important. It is only an outward sign, they will say. And they will say, uh, well, when Peter commanded it in Acts 2, it was just a Jewish thing because he was a Jew speaking to a Jewish audience and Jewish had Jews had ritual washings. And so it was just a Jewish thing. But here Peter says the same thing to a Gentile household. Not only that, Peter, I get the impression from what's also recorded when they talk about it, I think it's later on in Acts 11. This happened just like it happened to us back then. Mm -hmm. which tell, And that was several years back. I don't know if it's three, four, five, I don't know how many years, but I get the impression that it didn't happen in between those two time frames. So the it wasn't out, the Holy Spirit up like this. The Holy Spirit falling on any person was not something that happened often. It only happened in these two occasions that I can Fine. Yeah, the Holy Spirit came, came. People received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 5, verse 32 talks about it. But um, you're right. 
the way he's going to say that in Acts chapter 11 and verse 14 suggests he is seeing something unique about the way the Holy Spirit comes upon uh, Cornelius and his household. Maybe not unique, because unique would mean it only happened once, but something unusual. And he sees it as the same thing that happened back on the day of Pentecost. And he connects those two events. So everything the Holy Spirit was doing, you would get the impression it was not doing the same thing that happened in Acts 2 and now happens in Acts 10 all along the way. <clears throat> and, and, and a lot of people go back to talking about where John talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that everybody's going to have the same thing. But what you're talking about in, in Acts 11, 15 and 16, put that together. Peter's rehearsing this again. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. Like that's a, a an eye opener. And then yep. 16, and I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a rare occasion. Yep. And so the two occasions are <clears throat> the beginning of the church in Acts 2 and the beginning of Gentiles coming in to the church in, in a significant way in Acts chapter 10. Um, okay. They needed, they needed to see this because they weren't getting the point. So we got four things now. We got four things that have happened. And in the order that Peter experienced them, they are, he saw the vision and heard God telling him, don't make anything common or unclean that God has cleansed. Number two, he had the Holy Spirit tell him, go with some Gentiles or I've sent them. Uh, number three, he finds out that an angel had spoken to Cornelius and told Cornelius to send for Peter. And number four, He's seeing the Holy Spirit come upon these Gentiles. He is going to take those four facts with him back to Jerusalem. And when some Jewish brethren in Jerusalem are upset with him, they criticize him for having gone in and associated with Gentiles, even eating with them. He's just going to go through those four facts. He's going to say, well, number one, this happened. Number two, this happened. Number three, this happened. Number four, this happened. And, and they're going to say, oh, well, then God has granted to the Gentiles also repentance unto life. And that'll be chapter 11. Uh, we're not going to get all the way through chapter 11, but let's at least get started into it. Okay, Drew? Unless there's something else back in chapter 10 that you want to go back to. Yeah, verse 47, when an individual had come to me saying the same thing you're saying, baptism is not necessary, don't need it. I go there in verse 47. What did Peter say? Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who had received the Holy Spirit? So the salvation wasn't receiving the Holy Spirit. They got they received the Holy Spirit miraculously before even being saved. Yeah, and that and that is a problem for a lot of people because a lot of people associate having something happen to you associated with the Holy Spirit with salvation, and so they say, "Aha, they received the Holy Spirit first, and then they were baptized. So obviously they were already saved." But it doesn't say that no. the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon Cornelius and his household was not to save them. It was to bear witness that it was God's intention for them to be saved. Peter says that in Acts 15. I'm going to turn over to Acts 15. And Peter is going to say this is later on when there comes this controversy. What about all these Gentiles who are becoming believers? Do they have to keep the law of Moses? Do they have to be circumcised? Peter's going to refer back to this incident at Cornelius's house. And he's going to say in verse 8, God who knows the heart bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us. And he made no distinction between us and them, 
cleansing their hearts by faith. He didn't cleanse their hearts by the Holy Spirit coming upon them and creating a miracle or causing them to speak in tongues and prophesy. Their hearts would be cleansed by faith, putting their trust in Jesus. You put your trust in the death of Jesus by becoming a part of Jesus' death, as Paul talks about being baptized into his death. They weren't saved just because the Holy Spirit came on them. That was God's testimony saying these Gentiles can hear the word and receive it. Um, and, and that same point is made in, in Hebrews chapter 2 about God bearing witness um, by various things, miracle, miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit and such. And verse 48 of that last verse of that chapter 10, and he, Peter, commanded. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. wasn't an option all no. right well true we're we're out of time uh we we did well we got all the way through chapter 10 we did not get into chapter 11 that's kind of ideal that'll allow yeah. us to start in chapter 11 next time yeah well thank you for having me on with you today i was glad to be here with you thank you for helping out i appreciate it lord willing we'll see you next week